I thought what we'd do this morning is cover a few more questions that have been sent in or asked covertly. People sneak up and ask questions. <laughs> They're not like the rest of you who have the courage to stand. And, um, see, the first one is, uh, how do you keep a skunk from smelling? You hold its nose. <clears throat> we answer all questions. Vicky and uh, Larry were married yesterday and they brought their flowers, their wedding flowers for us, as Gail told you. So this question comes up a lot in weddings. Uh, let's see here. You are at a wedding party because you are the bride. <laughs> you have a fine husband and an enormous wedding cake and you are going to live happily ever after, only first, you're very, very hungry. What do you say? Pass the cake, please. <laughs> so that's what you say. <laughs> these, uh, these are all <laughs> John's new uh, little books that are... Uh, they're writing joke books now for children. That, that last one was from, what do you say, dear? Let me, let me read you another one here. <laughs> Did your mom say that? What do you say, dear? Thank you. You're picking dandelions and columbines outside your castle. <laughs> Suddenly, a fierce dragon appears and blows red smoke in your face. But just then... A brave and handsome knight gallops up and cuts off the dragon's hair. Head. Hair. <laughs> what do you say, dear? Thank you very much. <laughs> or you can say many thanks or how will I ever thank you. There are lots of ways you can say that. Um... Dear David, this was written to David. The way to get to a Texan is to talk to another Texan. See, they know. They pick out the Texan on the, among the deacons and they write this. Dear David, I have a question which I wonder if you could address during one of the Q&As. Here's the question. If our only purpose and function is the peace of God and we need do nothing, why is it necessary for us to be in a body? It's not. <laughs> so you didn't think I could give short answers? Did you? <laughs> I'll expand uh, just a little bit. <laughs> this is a good thing to remember that within each person, Every person you encounter during the day 
No matter how unhappy or angry or hassled or bowed down they seem to be, or how elated and excited and triumphant and arrogant they seem to be, don't be fooled into believing that this simple fact does not remain true. That within this individual, there flickers a faint memory of home. Within you right now, there flickers this memory. The memory of what you left in order to be a body among other bodies. To reduce your happiness and your strength and your helpfulness and so forth to such an extent that you are like a little piece of mica or something that's fallen from a rock compared to all the stars in heaven, to all the brightness of the sun. We have within us the memory of the peace of God. We have within us the memory of what it once was to be one. To not worry. To be completely at peace. To know nothing but our Father's love. To do nothing but love and be happy and be free. To know nothing but life and not death, 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 death. We have within us the memory of home, the memory of what we gave up. But all we did is we gave it up in a dream. You still have enormous powers. Not powers to manipulate the dream. What point is that? If your child was having a nightmare and you could, would you go in and change the shape of the monster or something? No, what you'd want to do is gently awaken your child. You'd hold your child in your arms and you'd whisper, everything's all right. You're here with me. Wake up now. This is just a little dream. What point would it be to tamper with the dream? Yes, possibly the child would think that there's some way to make it into a better dream. And try this change and that change. But would, would the child ever feel your love and know the presence of your arms? As long as they continued dreaming, no matter what change they made in the dream. You have enormous powers, but they are the powers to awake. They are the powers to know God. They are the powers to know yourself. They are the powers to see your brother and sister as totally and completely innocent. That is the power that you still retain. Any other power that we seek is so unhappy because all it does is change the form of the nightmare. What's the point of that? So we don't have to have a body. There is nothing holding us in the world. 
There is nothing holding you to misery and pain and limitation except your unwillingness to forgive. Once you become willing to forgive and see others and yourself as innocent, then you have released your grip on the world. And so the time will come for each and every one of us in our own time and in our own way. Some it will be a little sooner, some it will be a little later, but it will be for everyone that you will say, what use do I have for this little body when I can help all of my brothers and sisters, when I can put my arms around them all and whisper gently into anyone's ear at any time. And I can feel the oneness of us all. And so you will have no more need to feel separate, no more desire to be special in this little, little way, this petty little way, these little specialnesses that we seek and we prize so much, that we regret so deeply when one is lost are overshadowed by someone else's specialness. So the simple answer to the question is, you don't need a body. You don't have to have a body. But while you have a body, use it lovingly and kindly. Be gentle with it. Be compassionate with it. And realize that your brothers and sisters think that they too are bodies. And so treat them as if they were. <laughs> humor them along <laughs> fix them nice little warm things to eat pat their little heads and tell them how nice their little bodies look this is fine to do this is just fine to do reach over and pick the little piece of lint off of the suit brush the shoulder pad and give them a kiss on the cheek and they will feel love because they think they're a body. <laughs> and that's practicing innocence. And seeing innocence. And you will see that all these limitations are no sacrifice to give up. There isn't one thing in this whole world that is not a limitation. Every value in this world is based on scarcity. It is valuable only to the degree that it is rare or scarce or hard to get at or in need of much sacrifice to obtain. When what we could have is the peace and the joy of God and the realization of our oneness. And so this will come. Don't despair. Every single person on the face of this earth is on a spiritual path whether they know it or not. That's all they're doing. They're wandering around, wondering what happened. What happened? And there's this feeling. It shouldn't be this way. Isn't there that feeling? It shouldn't be this way. How many times do we have that feeling in a day? Somehow it shouldn't be this way. And of course, it needn't be this way. 
So whatever you see anyone going through, I promise you, it is part of their way home. Don't judge it. Don't condemn it. Don't rush in to tell them to change it. Be their friend. Support them in whatever they're doing. See them as innocent. Of course, you don't, adjoin, you don't join anybody in attacking or hurting. That would not be to be their friend. You have gone downtown to do some shopping. You are walking backwards because sometimes you like to. And you bump into a crocodile. What do you say, dear? Pardon me. What do you put on a pig when it burns itself? Oinkment. <laughs> Which leads into our next question. <laughs> Basically, this is the question, although it can be worded uh, in many ways. How do you stay how do you stay in the present happily? So possibly you have tried to stay in the present. There is no one that is not familiar with the comment of the, with the concept of staying in the present. And everyone, every book, every teaching says to you interminably, just stay in the present. And so we try it for 63 seconds. <laughs> and it seems so hard and it seems so cold and so dry and so arid and so yucky. And so we dive back into the glorious and infinitely satisfying worries about the future and regrets about the past. <laughs> but there is, of course, this sense of, of hardness or something or a lack of happiness, a lack of softness to trying to stay in the present or trying not to think. There's a kind of a hardness, isn't there, to it, or a, uh, aridness. So the question is, how do you stay in the present happily? And there are, of course, a thousand ways to answer that question. But one that's been very helpful to me recently is for us to remember our child, our child mind. So all of you were children. I know this comes as a shock <laughs> to some of you, but indeed you were a child. We all were children. And I know you look at people and say, that person came this way. That's the way they came. But they didn't. <laughs> this has taken many years of hard practicing of the rules of misery to get this way. We don't realize how hard we have worked at being unhappy. We think in one good meditation when we're going to reverse the whole thing. But... This has been, you know, we've worked at this for years to get ourselves in this state. Where we simply cannot enjoy anything we're doing. We're always thinking about what we just said or what's going to happen or what's this leading to or am I doing it right and on and on and on. But you have within you, just as you have within you the memory of home, you have a memory that's even a little more recent and that's the memory of being a child. And so the next time you see a little baby, or a little teen, look at this. Just right on cue here. Right? She's going down the aisle now. 
crazy. This is so much fun. Mommy. <laughs> now, this was not planned. You're not going to believe that, I know. Uh, she just escaped. That's all. <laughs> now, she, uh, she swings on swings just like you do. And when she gets a little older, she's going to ride her bike and she's going to coast down a hill just like you did. Now, I want everybody to close their eyes now and see if you can't remember being a very young child because we grow out of this quite quickly. And you simply were there enjoying what you were doing. Maybe maybe you, you were in your little floater in a swimming pool. And you just had your little feet, your little hands hanging over, splashing the waves. And you didn't have anything to do but just float there. And around you, you hear the other children playing and screaming happily and jumping in and out. And you're just floating now. Jordan now has a little floater. We put him in the little floater. And he just sings and sings and sings. He floats all around the pool. We have a friend who has a pool and let us come over and use it. He's just content to do that. Remember. Can you remember holding on to the chains of the swing and leaning your head back and everything was upside down? And you swing back and forth, back and forth, and maybe you twisted yourself around. Remember doing that? And you let the swing untwist. And you were just there. You weren't worrying about anything, thinking about what happened. Not when you were a little child, you weren't. You're coasting down a hill on your bike. Or playing with your airplane or your little dollhouse, and you were just there, there in the dollhouse. Obviously, it's not the dolls, or the house, or the bike, or the public swing, or water, or anything else that made you happy. It was the fact that you allowed yourself to simply enjoy what you were doing. And now recall, because we must recall the mistakes and how we made, made them and how we were continuing to make them. Recall now this coming of this other mind, so to speak, of worrying, 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 worrying. Now you get on a swing. What is this doing to my back? Or, I hope someone doesn't see me. Or, is the wind ruffling my hair? <laughs> or is it going to make me sick to lean back and see the world upside down? Do you see? And we can't even go to a swimming pool without getting a suntan. We can't even lie down on a beach without rotating. Oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, you can open your eyes now. We took little took little Jordan to a beach, and we went on that and uh, that little trip we took up there to uh, the San Juan Islands. And for an hour, maybe an hour and a half, he did nothing but reach his hands down into these little pebbles and just let them go through his hands over and over. He'd never seen little pebbles. Just looked at the little pebbles, and underneath they were wet. On top they were dry, and they were all different colors. And when we weren't looking, he would spit out his pacifier and pop a few into his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> How do you stay in the present happily? Remember. Just remember the child's mind. Just practice it a little bit. And you will see you have nothing to fear from heaven. Heaven is simply being in the present. So completely that everything from the past no longer casts a shadow on anything you experience. Anything you see, anything you hear. Why do hummingbirds hum? Because they don't know the words. <laughs> yes, all right. How do you let go of bad vibes? This wasn't in the child's book. <laughs> this has to be a, an adult question. Um, incidentally, speaking of bad vibes, or auras of anger, or auras of depression, never be afraid that you're picking this up from a, a young child. Those of you who work with children, you are not taking on anger or depression from a child. There is, of course, a time in which a person does assume autonomy, separates himself from his parents, and can become quite centered in depression or sadness or anger or something else, agitation. There's, take your pick. But up until usually adolescence, if you're working with children, you might become sad because of the child's plight, but that isn't coming from the child. You have nothing to fear from working with children. You may not wish to do that, but you have nothing to fear from it on that level. That was also part of this woman's question. I'm not going to read all of it because she works with uh, severely handicapped uh, children, mentally and physically. And so she was worried. Was she taking on? And the answer, of course, is no. But you can take on sadness. Why is the child like this? Why is the child going through this? And this is simply impossible to understand. If you can't understand why you have run out of Cheerios in the morning, you certainly are not going to be able to understand <laughs> why uh, children have these things happen to them. It's just that we think that everyone else is getting such a free ride. 
<laughs> but it's simply not so. It can't be understood. And the thing that you will find as you go along is you will understand less and less of all of it <laughs> until finally it will be so confusing that you will say, no, thank you. <laughs> and you won't die. You'll just help. That's what they'll do. You'll help. So it is true that if we are around people who are angry, we cannot avoid to some degree, picking up the anger. You're expecting too much of yourself if you think you can be around anger and not pick it up. You're thinking, you're, you're expecting too much of, you, of yourself if you think you can even counsel someone who is depressed or sad or agitated or counsel a couple who are having a very unhappy relationship and not pick up it to some degree. If you'll watch carefully, you'll see as if it's almost as if your ego, ego is a mimic, and it mimics the very mood that you are around. You might notice those, those of you who counsel couples. Notice that you go back into your relationship, and you are playing out the same state of mind that you were just around. And so we do pick this up. And this is why eventually the teacher stops teaching in person, the teacher starts teaching from a distance because the teaching can be more effective that way. It goes more deeply. And there isn't this interference. And so this is why, as you look around the world and you see certain people going into seclusion or taking a vow of silence or so forth, this is all that's happening. I know I've said that to you before, but you will begin to notice that even when you try to help someone, you will take on what the other person is going through to some degree. This does not mean that you stop helping. If you have reached the point where you can help very effectively from a distance, then of course that's an option. But who of us here have yet reached that point. And so we help in the way we can help. We do what we can do. And this is so important to remember. But you can eliminate a certain amount of this. If you'll just look at your life. Are there stores that are angry that you insist on going into and doing your shopping? Are there filling stations that are angry that you insist on going into and buying your gas there? Are there relationships that upset you every single time, but you somehow insist that this is the only way you can be kind to these people, is to get together and everybody get very upset? <laughs> because that is certainly love, isn't it? There's no blame in any of this. So eliminate what you can. Look at your life. If you can step back from something that gives you a difficult time, then do so. If there's some object in your house that makes you very, very sad, brings back the past in some way, 
Perhaps it is very valuable. But how valuable is your peace? But the question was, how do we let go of the vibes once we pick them up? And the answer is extremely simple. The vibes enter us, if you wish to use vibes. It isn't the word I personally would use. Our, our minds are joined and we simply feel the mental atmosphere of this person. That's all that happens. But when we are around someone's body, it is very difficult not to judge them, not to see that part of them as the most important part of them. Of course, in Miracles says that the body represents the individual's lower mind. So their behavior and their words and everything that they do represents their lower mind. And so when we're around someone, it is, of course, extremely tempting to see this as important and real. So we have judged. We are not forgiving. If you could be around someone and be totally forgiving, you would pick nothing up. To forgive means to let go. To not harbor. And so we do harbor it by judging it, by criticizing it, by comparing ourselves to it. So whenever you are in the presence of another person and you find yourself mentally comparing yourself to this person in any way whatsoever, you are pick, picking up their negativity. But don't think that you can avoid doing this and don't think that you should try to avoid doing it. Because you do wish to be kind to people. And therefore it is necessary that you do things for and with their bodies. But just be, become aware of this process and you will begin to cut down on it more and more. You'll begin to lessen it, the effects, more and more. Because the effects enter you by your criticizing what you're seeing, by your judging it, by your comparing it, by your analyzing it, by your questioning it, by your asking, why does the person do this? Or how did that happen? When you do that, you take it on. When you merely look past it, See clearly that this is not the person. You must look very carefully at it and realize this is not the individual. And the only way you're going to do that is to look closely at it. But once you have seen, oh, this is just ego. My ego is no better. There is no variation in egos. All egos are the same. They simply act out the same sorry qualities in different ways. But there is, there is, one ego is no better than another ego. Our goodness, our betterness, our rightness is on a different level entirely. It resides in our heart. And you can look into the heart of another person. You can ask yourself, what are they trying? What are they, what, what are they yearning for? So anger is indeed a call for help. If someone is angry, I promise you they're in trouble. They are in pain. They are reacting to something. They are in fact calling out for your help. And you might take a moment and see if you can help them in person. But if you can't, 
it is best that you step back from the anger and begin helping them from a distance because no one can be around anger very long without being drugged down by it unless you are about to ascend. (laughs) And at the dispensable church, you are safe in knowing that you are not going to meet anyone who's about to ascend. (laughs) So this is a good practice ground. No confusion. (laughs) So you get off by yourself. And you did your best. You stayed there, but you didn't stay too long. And you helped. But you watched yourself, you monitored yourself, and you realized when your effectiveness was beginning to slip away a little. And so then you stepped back. Or you got off the telephone. Or you got out of the store. It's it's a very easy mistake. You see, we have these, these old values of money, saving money, getting our due, saving time, and we all get caught up in it. I got caught in it at the, uh, at the uh, not the fair, but the uh, carnival. So I took John. It's very easy also to do this on behalf of other people. So we don't do it ourselves, but on behalf of other people, we, get, we can get very angry, you see. I didn't get angry, but what I did do was I took John over to the little place where they had the automatic rifles with the BBs, you know, shoot the BBs. They load the BBs up. They put a little target out there, and then you try to shoot the target out. If you shoot the target out, then you get a stuffed doll or something like that. Of course, he wasn't trying to shoot the target. He was trying to hit the back wall, someplace (laughs) back there. And... uh, so the guy put the BBs in. He started, and the and the uh, uh, gun jammed. And about that time, another person came in who worked the same uh, booth. So there were two. There's a man and woman. The woman came over, and she. Uh, we said, "Well, we'd like to do this again." And uh, then the man came over. He explained to her. He. They were obviously very angry at each other. This is immediately apparent. He started dressing her down for something. I forget what it was. And she started defending herself. And it was not a happy scene at all. But anyway, they loaded the other gun, stuck it in John's hand. He started shooting. And she asked me for the money for the second gun. Now, here was the thing. John didn't get to finish his first gun. It got jammed. Now, I know better than this, but I got caught up in the thing. And I said... Well, what about the first gun? He didn't get to shoot all of his BBs. And so we stayed there getting that thing sorted out. He eventually did get his BBs and so forth. I didn't have to pay for another round. Uh, Right was on my side. God saw to it. But this this upset me, and it upset John even more. It took him two days to let go of this incident. We had to keep surrounding uh, the woman in like She was the one that seemed to be uh, stuck in his mind because she was there at the last and so forth. And she was unhappy. And they were arguing with each other. And children don't understand this. Even though they do it themselves, they still don't understand why people are mean to each other. 
And this woman was very unhappy, and he didn't like the fact that the man had been mean to her. And he just didn't like anything about it. It was very confusing. And so Gail and I had to spend two days in the evening when we let go of the day because children are so good at letting go of the day. If you want to let go of the day with someone, get your child to do these imageries with you. Boy, they'll think of things you have never... I mean, it's, it's just a marvelous game that they, they'll play. But they, they, they immediately know what surrounding and light means. That doesn't, you don't have to explain that to a child. He understands that. So we surround a little, surround the woman in light and so forth, over and over. But do you see how much time we lost because of the value of uh, my child not getting his due and uh, money? And so we are not a victim. <clears throat> now, in the reading, this was the reading to those of you who didn't. I'm not going to read all of it, but those of you who weren't listening, <laughs> this is a, a little passage. And it's one that's very easy for the ego to, to misinterpret. I am responsible for what I see. I choose the feelings I experience. And I decide upon the goal I would achieve. And everything that seems to happen to me, I ask for and receive as I have asked. Now, a little further down that same page, it says, Suffer and you have decided sin was your goal. Be happy and you gave the power of decision to him who must decide for God for you. This is so misunderstood, this little passage. I'm going to read it one more time. I am responsible for what I see. I choose the feelings I experience, and I decide upon the goal I would achieve. And everything that seems to happen to me, I ask for and receive as I have asked. Now, the ego takes that passage and translates it into possessions. It thinks it's some sort of declaration of, of powers within the world, not powers to leave the world and join with your brothers and sisters, but powers to manipulate the world. And so it is true that the world runs more smoothly if we are not conflicted. Now, this is not a difficult... This, incidentally, is another question. You see how we just a smooth roll into the other question. The question of... Well, doesn't it say... And, of course, almost every book seems to say this on some level. Well, if you just ask for it, you get it. Or if you want it, you'll get it. Or uh, be careful what you ask for because you're going to get it. And, you know, all these things. All right. Now, yes... That's true on the level of feeling. There are only two emotions. Love and fear. Happiness and conflict. There are a thousand ways to say it, but there are only two emotions. And whatever emotion you have at the moment is the emotion that you are asking for. Now what's confusing is that it is true that if we are not conflicted, things go more smoothly in the world. They don't necessarily go our way, but they go more smoothly. 
It's less disturbing if we are not conflict, conflicted. But people, this is not a difficult concept to understand. For example, if you are highly conflicted about washing the dishes, what is likely to happen? You're likely to break a dish. You're likely to repeat things that you don't have to repeat. You're likely to put too much soap in the water and have to rinse and rinse and rinse and rinse. You might even uh, cut yourself with a knife if you're highly conflicted about it. But what if you realize that the only thing that is important is peace? And the only importance of any activity you engage in is the peace you bring to it. That is the power. That is the reality. That is the God. And it's only the God in the activity that gives it its importance. That's why it does not matter what we do. And yet we don't believe this. It does not matter whether you wash dishes or clean house. Or you're a brain surgeon. Or you're a much sought after counselor. Or you're a big business person. Oh, I see. Successful business person. <laughs> I had an image of a huge business person, you know. Uh, and yet what happens? One of us goes to work and we make big deals and we come home to the unimportant person who is just simply doing childcare and sweeping rugs and stuff like that. We really do do this. Don't think that you're immune from this. Or we go to the dispensable church and we've been very spiritual and we go home to our not so spiritual spouse our roommate, our parent, or whatever, our friends that we've agreed to have lunch with, and we look down upon them. We are conflicted. That's why the relationship doesn't go well. So the difference is very clear. Gail and I, for example, are, are, are working on not being conflicted about selling our house. Because one of the reasons houses don't sell, just like everything else in the world, is that people are conflicted about it. This is quite different than manifesting a buyer. <laughs> if you are not conflicted, you have no investment in the outcome. And you are happy. And we choose what we experience. We choose what we experience, what we feel. There are only two things to experience and feel. So will our work result in the house selling? Who knows? But it will result in it not selling. It will result in it being hindered from selling because we saw that we were conflicted about selling the house. I'd spent so much time on it. We were so proud of it. People got so jealous. 
and it improved our friendship so greatly. <laughs> Until people built on each side of us, this was very cool, bigger and better houses than ours. This is what happens in the world. Desire and longing and anticipating always indicates a conflict. You cannot want a Mercedes or some other car. Any car, it doesn't matter what car it is. I don't know why, but always people talk about Mercedes when they talk about this kind of mental work <clears throat> without being conflicted. You can't want a car without being conflicted. There is no way you can want a car without being conflicted. There's no way you can want a job at a particular company without being conflicted. There's no way you can want so-and-so to marry you without being conflicted. And therefore, they are less likely to marry you. If you want it, you are conflicted. Because there is only one thing that you can want and not be conflicted, and that's the peace of God, because that's what we left, and that's what we remember. You do remember home. It calls to you over and over again. Come home, my child. No peace. Give up attack. Give up judgment. Give up wanting to be special. This doesn't mean that you need to be especially ugly. <laughs> or have an especially awful car. This is the you know, this is the ego insanity. It means nothing. It means you don't want it one way or the other. It's not that you want another version. The ugliest car in Santa Fe. <laughs> See how special that is? Boy, that's an ugly car. People will gather around. Where did you get that? So you're not more spiritual if you buy an ugly house. It's when it doesn't matter to you one way or the other. And so, of course, you simply pick the place to live. That's the easiest one that you can think of. It allows you to go home most easily. It allows you to know God most easily. So it's just not, there's not as much world in this place for you. Whatever world represents. Does it represent people walking up and down on the ceiling? And that happens to disturb you? Then, of course, you get a place where people don't walk up and down on the ceiling. If it doesn't disturb you and you like it, it makes you feel safe and joined, then you get a place where they walk up and down on the ceiling. There's no spirituality or right or wrongness about it. Okay, let me summarize. And then what is two week on the end? Let me ask you to close your eyes. Say to yourself, very gently, not harshly at all, just very gently, say to yourself, there are no questions in God. There are no questions in God. Say to yourself, very gently, not harshly. God is my home. 
God is my home. Say to yourself now, very gently, as if you were talking to a friend, talk to yourself. My way home is the peace of God. All I want is to walk on the path that is peace. Say that to yourself now. Several times, my way home is the peace of God. All I want is to walk on his gentle path, this path of peace, this path of gentleness and forgiveness and innocence. I want to go home. I want to know my Father. I want to know our oneness. I want to leave no one out And now look at these activities in your life. Realize that the peace you bring to the activity is the only importance it has. And so see right now where you could bring peace, where you could bring the path, where you could bring a few more steps home. Is it in doing housework? Is it in doing cleaning? Is it in emptying trash? Is it in getting up in the middle of the night and changing diapers? Is it in getting the car repaired? Is it in asking the person to please come out? They didn't fix it. Where can you bring this path? The path of peace that will take you home. And as you go home, your memory of what it was like and what you left will grow brighter and brighter it will take you up in its arms. And it will leave not one friend, not one loved one, not one brother and sister outside of your home. So I will be silent now. And let's take just a moment to remember home. <laughs> 